lifted in this place and say we are saved the gates of heaven wide open say we are saved the keys to the grave have been stolen sing it again say Save church. <laughs> Say we are saved. The keys to the grave have been stolen. How many believe that we have been made more than conquerors this morning? Amen. I believe that we can speak to that mountain and say, mountain be moved, and it'll be moved. The other day on National Geographic, um, it's a powerful, powerful series. It's called One Day in America, and it's 9-11. I don't know if you, any of you seen that, but it was leading up to, obviously, this month. It was a five-week series, and it was just everything that happened. And they were doing all these interviews, and there was this one gentleman that was on the 82nd floor in the second tower and survived and he was up there and he could see that the other tower had been hit and he was on the phone with his wife and he said I don't know if I'm coming home I don't know what's going on and while he's talking to her he can see out his window and he can see Ellis Island and Statue of Liberty and then he can see the second plane coming right towards him This is on National Geographic. <laughs> he said, I pointed that plane and I said, in the name of Jesus, move. And he could see that plane tilt and it went up four floors above him. And then everything was crumbling. He was trying to figure out the only way he said I was going to get electrocuted or I was going to get burned or I was going to breathe in smoke. He said, I knew that I was going to die. And he was under all this rubble. And there was another gentleman that was coming up a stairwell to try to find people. And he heard this guy calling. So he ran to the stairwell and all he could see was his hand. He was trying to lead him to his hand and he could see his hand. And he grabbed his hand. And the first, they couldn't even see his face yet. He's grabbed his hand. He was getting ready to try to pull him out of this rubble. And this guy that said, in the name of Jesus, move told this gentleman he said are you a Christ follower that was the first thing that he said to this gentleman <laughs> and he said the, the gentleman that was trying to help me said I got caught off guard he said I didn't realize I was going to be in a, a philosophical discussion at that moment but he said the only thing I could say was I go to church every Sunday <laughs> and those two today both survived and they are 20 years later one of the bestest friends 
And I believe, church, that what amazing testimony that is. And there's a, a million stories behind that. But I believe that we have the authority <laughs> as people of God that are saved, that we can speak to that <laughs> We can speak to that mountain that's in our way and say, mountain, be moved. We could speak to that river that's in our way that we can't cross and say, be moved. We can speak to the situations that's in your life right now and you can say, be moved in Jesus' name. Church, I don't know if you understand how much authority we have, but by the power of Jesus Christ, if you are saved, we have the authority. Amen. Come on, say. Say, we are the gates of heaven wide open saved I am saved the keys to the grave have been stolen Come on, we need to just praise him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Can we just declare that this morning? Sing, Hallelujah, God. Sing it again. in your way, I want you just to speak to that right now and say, be moved. No matter what it is, no matter what situation, just say, be moved in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now that we open our ears to hear this morning. Give us ears to listen. Open our minds to understand, oh Father and open our hearts that we receive your word. We hunger and we thirst after your presence and your righteousness. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Turn to one next to you and say, I'm in love with Jesus. Whatever you want to say.
Well, good morning. This morning, God's put a message on my heart in this series that it's way bigger than I am. And um, every message I preach is bigger than I am. But this one's way bigger. And I feel, um, I feel like I've walked up here to preach for the first time, just so you know where I'm at. So I'm going to ask you to help me with a couple of things that sometimes we don't think about. Um, I want you to be able to focus on what Scripture says about the blood of Jesus Christ and not be distracted. So this is a little pastoral counsel. If you need to leave for some reason, and I know that some people do from time to time, you need to get a Kleenex, need to use the restroom, would you please walk to the back and then go out rather than walk across the front and go out? Can you help me with that? Walk to the back and go out. I love kids. I love kids. But when a child is restless, no one's listening to me. They're listening to that child. And that's why we have it playing in the lobby and we have it in uh, Promised Land. And if your child is restless or crying, could you help us right away and uh, take that child to the lobby or to Promised Land or to the parents' room somewhere? That's why we provide those. It's not because I think I'm so important, but I think this is vitally important. Okay? And I want this to be heard. So I love kids. I'm glad they're in here, you know, when you have them with you, all of that. Are, are you okay with that? If you're not, too bad. But I want you to help me, especially this morning and every morning, because I take this, it's been referred to in days gone by as a sacred desk. I don't take that lightly. I know Pastor Nathan, you don't either when we're up here. This is a sacred moment. And this morning, I want our attention on the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've not yet picked up your communion service, please do that now so that at the, or while I'm preaching, so that at the end, we don't have people going to get it. You'll have it be ready to participate at the end. I'm convinced that we need to put value again on the blood of Christ and understand what it does for us. I read an article a few weeks ago where someone said, the, the Pentecostal evangelical faith is too bloody. We don't need to talk about the blood. If you, listen to me, if, you, if we ever stop talking about the blood, we've given victory to the devil. Because it is the foundation of our faith. We're talking about the old paths, not the old ways, not the old methods, but the old paths. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it, and they suffered for that. Last week we talked about praying through, that I'm thankful for the emphasis there is on positive confession and our declaration of faith. But there's a place in praying through that will never be replaced by the declarations that we pray through until we know we have an answer. We need to pray through in times of spiritual drought. We need to pray through in times of demonic resistance. And we need to pray through in times of desperate need. And so I want to talk to you about the second old path that we rarely hear talked about anymore. And that's the concept that we used to call pleading the blood. How many have ever heard someone say, just plead the blood over that, or plead the blood over your household, or plead the blood? And it fell into some disuse, and part of the reason it fell into disuse was legitimate. It's because it became a magic um, uh, talisman, like a rabbit's foot. This idea that if you just say this and say, um, I, I plead the blood over it, it'll come to pass. Almost like you could say, plead the blood and then anything else, and then God would move in that fashion. And that certainly isn't true. 
Pleading the blood isn't a magic formula to get God to do what we want. Pleading the blood is simply understanding the promises and benefits provided for us by the blood of Jesus Christ and then standing on those promises in the face of the devil and the onslaught of the enemy. Say, well, the term's not in the Bible. I know it's not in the Bible, but how many of you know that the word Trinity isn't in the Bible? But we use it all the time because it captures a biblical uh, uh, doctrine. The term rapture is not in the Bible, but we use it all the time because it captures a biblical doctrine. And there are other examples of that. The term pleading the blood does the same thing. It's appropriate, it's true, and it's a way of expressing or claiming the promises of the blood of Christ. Now, I also want to make this emphasis at the beginning. I was reading an evangelical scholar who said, talking about the blood is simply talking about the death of Jesus. That is not true. You can die without shedding blood. You can give body parts without shedding blood. You can be suffocated without shedding blood. But the Bible says two things. That, the, that life is in the blood. You can live without an arm. You can live without a leg. You can live without body parts. But you cannot live without blood. Come on, help me this morning. You cannot live without blood. Blood is essential to life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ in human form gave his very life source. He didn't give an arm. He didn't give a leg. He didn't give a whipping. He didn't give a crown of thorns. He gave his life source and poured it out so that we could receive that life source and live in newness of life. The breaking of his body is important, and we talk about that in communion. His body was broken so that we could be whole, but his blood was shed so that we could have newness of life. And never mistake it, it's not just that he died, it's that he shed his blood so that we could have newness of life. So what does pleading the blood mean? And I want to give you three places this morning that you need to learn to plead the blood. And number one is over your eternal destiny. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says this, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ... A lamb without blemish or defect. You know that you were not redeemed with perishable things such as silver and gold, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Is there anyone in the house? That is the foundation and source of our redemption brought back from sin. We sinned. His blood pays the debt for our sin. Sin brings death. His blood paid the penalty for our death. Jesus willingly gave his life blood so that our death would be on him and his life would be on us. And for that, we celebrate today the shedding of blood. There's a story that's told and I tried to research it. I can't find the actual source. Don't know if it's a legend or not, but I'm sure something like this has happened at some time. Little girl was very, very sick and in the hospital. 
I don't know what disease she had, but she needed a blood transfusion. She had a rare blood type, and the only one that they could find that matched her blood type was her brother. And so they said to him, we need to take your blood and put it in her or your sister is going to die. And he said, I don't know about that. And they kept talking to him, she's not gonna make it. And so he finally agreed and they listened to this, they hooked him up and they were gonna transfer it directly from him into her and mechanism in between. And as they began to draw blood, he said to the doctor, does it hurt when you die? Said, what do you mean? When do I start to die? You see, he was convinced that giving his blood for his sister to live would result in his dying. And yet he willingly, in his mind, gave his life for his sister. They assured him he wasn't going to die, and I'm sure he was greatly relieved. But I'm telling you, there was a son of God. God in the heavenlies and the decision was made that we were all going to die the creation of man and he went to the cross and shed his blood and did die so that we could have newness of life it is by his blood that our sins are forgiven it's by his blood that our sins are atoned for it's by his blood that the mercy seat in heaven is covered over the law of God by which we have access into the throne room it's by his blood that our sins are forgiven and we should be eternally thankful you see it also expresses a blood covenant the shedding of blood was not a one-way agreement the blood was shed and we entered into a covenant with him it's a commitment between God and us and it's based on God's faithfulness to us in first John chapter 1 verses 7 to 9 if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness what is he saying it's a covenant relationship that when you receive the promise of the blood his life source shed for our death that when sin happens if you walk with him that blood covering continues to cover you and when you repent it continues to forgive you that blood is efficacious today that blood is vicarious today that blood is liberating today if we walk in the light a covenant relationship his blood will continue to purify from all sin Hebrews chapter 10 says this is the covenant I will make with them after that time says the Lord I will put my laws in their hearts I will write them on their minds their sins and iniquities I will remember no more because it's not just a covering it's a covenant and he does something on the inside of us that changes us forever how do I plead that over my eternal destiny you're going to heaven not because of works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us we're going to heaven because his blood's on the eternal mercy seat and our eternal destiny is assured but there are times when the devil will come against you when the devil will attack you he's the accuser of the brethren he'll create doubt about your relationship with Jesus he'll tell you that it isn't real he'll tell you that you're not saved 
saved. He'll tell you that you've lost your way. What do you do? At that moment, you stand up and say, devil, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. You've watched enough crime shows, I'm sure, to know that when that moment comes, that they stand before the judge, the judge will say, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? And the defendant will say, I plead not guilty. Well, I've got a different plea this morning. When the devil comes against me and says, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? I don't plead guilty. I don't plead not guilty. I plead the blood. Hallelujah. I plead the blood. That's my covering. That's my answer. Yes, I failed. Yes, he's forgiven. But when the devil comes against me to create doubt and fear and discouragement and drive me back, stand up and say, I'm a child of God covered by the blood of the lamb. My sins are forgiven. Devil, you're a liar. And I choose to plead the blood and walk in the victory that Jesus gives us today. Hallelujah. I plead the blood over my eternal destiny. I'm not going to heaven because I've led someone to Jesus. I'm not going to heaven because I paid my tithes. I'm not going to heaven because I go to church. I'm not going to heaven because I try to live a good life. I'm not going to heaven because I try to help my neighbor. I'm going to heaven because Jesus came from the throne room, lived among us, hung on the cross, shed his blood, and I've received that promise for my life. Hallelujah. I plead the blood over my eternal destiny. Devil, you're a liar. Get out of my life. If you've never been, if you are not a child of God this morning, how could I go any further without telling you that it is a simple process? How do you plead the blood? How do you claim it? It's the ABCs of the gospel. You have to admit that you're a sinner on your way to hell. Uh, my life is broken and I've failed in many, many ways. And until you admit that, there is no hope for you. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for the healthy. He didn't come for the physicians. He came for the broken. He came for the sick. He came for the damaged. He came for the hopeless. And once you get there and admit that, then you can begin to believe that he died for your sins, that he rose from the dead for your justification. And then you get to confess him as your Lord and Savior. And Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, and whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on his name today. Call on his name today. You don't have to respond to an altar call. You don't have to join a class. You don't have to give money. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he will honor that and bring you into his fold. If you don't know him today, why not right now where you sit, say, Jesus, I admit I'm lost. I believe you died for me and I confess you as my Lord and you'll walk in newness of life. Hallelujah. Second, you need to plead the blood not only over your eternal destiny when the devil attacks you. You need to plead the blood over your temporal victory. Over your temporal victory. The Bible tells us something really, really powerful. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They overcame him. What are they talking about? It's a war against the saints and the Antichrist and his armies in the end of times. In the time that we would call the tribulation period. How did they overcome? They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I'm going to tell you that spiritual warfare is real. I'm not going to highlight it. I'm not going to sensationalize it. 
but I'm so tired of believers claiming victories over things that the devil had nothing to do with. I read a book, said a woman was biting her nails. She's got a nail biting demon. No, she has a bad habit. Put some pepper on her fingers and she'll stop doing it. You don't need a, a miracle for that to happen. Well, I've got a gossip demon. No, you don't. You've got a bad spirit and you need to repent of your gossipy attitude. When you meet the devil, what does it look like? It looks like a man named Legion in the tombs bound with chains running naked and he couldn't break the he broke the chains and ran free and Jesus spoke and put him in his right mind and I'm telling you I've seen what the devil can do and I'm so tired of hearing people say well the devil doesn't have any power over us spiritual warfare is real you have someone at work that's being horrible to you get out of the flesh get into the spirit for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and the spiritual wickedness in high places there are things going on in the supernatural realm that we're unaware of. You have family that's away from God. What do you think's going on? The devil is warring against them. He's speaking lies into their life. People that, that are warring against you, what's happening? The devil is speaking lies. They're listening to that. Spiritual warfare is real and the devil will come against you to try to defeat you. The blood of Jesus gives us authority in spiritual battle. Coupled with our testimony, you've got to confess it. Coupled with willing to die for my faith, that's what a witness is and a martyr. The blood of Christ isn't something you can claim unless you're confessing it with your mouth and living it with your life. But when you confess it with your mouth and live it in your lifestyle, then you can come against the devil and the authority of the blood of Christ and you will have victory over all the onslaught of the devil. For our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You plead the blood in spiritual battle. I've heard people say, and I want you to get this, well, the devil can't cross the bloodline. I absolutely believe that, but let me tell you what that means. That comes from the story of the Passover. How many have heard the story of the Passover? I know there are a lot of people that haven't, haven't heard these stories, and I, I need to not be neglectful of that. But there was a time when the children of Israel in Egypt's bondage and God wanted to set them free. And Pharaoh wouldn't let them go. First he said, you can go, but leave your families here. You can go, but leave your resources here. And Moses said, when I leave... When I leave, I'm taking my people with me. When I leave, I'm taking my money with me. There's an old song that Bill Gaither wrote that's silly, but I love it. It says, not one hoof left behind. I'm not leaving one cow behind. When we go out of here, we're going out of here with all of our stuff. And that battle continues with 10 plagues until the final plague, the death of the firstborn. And Israel was instructed, slay a lamb, take that blood, put it on the side post and over the door and when the death whoo, when the death angel passes by he will not stop where the blood's on the door where the blood is applied I will pass I will pass over you and Israel was spared because they were covered by the blood because the devil can't cross the line drawn by the blood of Jesus Christ he can't steal your soul he can't throw you into hell he can't defeat you when you stand on the blood. But that doesn't mean he can't attack you. You say, well, he can't cross the bloodline, so I don't have any problems. You're just ignorant. 
In this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have battle. In this world, you'll have some scars. In this world, you will have some bruises. You're going to get beat up from time to time. And you may be in a place where the warfare is real. Listen to me. And it hurts. And you're bruised. And it's painful. And you're frustrated. And you might be saying, where is God in all of this? Just remind yourself that all he can do is attack you on the outside. To Job, he could take his money he could take everything that he had but in the end God gave him double because the devil can't cross the blood that's applied to your spirit he cannot destroy you he can attack you but he cannot destroy you the Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 8 what shall we say in response to all this if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things now here's where it gets good you know these verses somebody better get their shouting clothes on because this is good stuff who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword nay everybody say nay in all these things hallelujah I said in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us for I am convinced Paul says that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor present nor the future nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord because the devil can't cross the bloodline plead the blood and drive him back he has no place there he has no place there what are the promises of the blood there are many many promises of the blood let me just give you a few of those access to the throne room Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let's hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of God with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What does that tell me? He can attack. He can cause problems, but here's one thing he can't do when I plead the blood. He can't get in the way of my journey to the throne room. I have a direct line to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. He can yell. He can scream. He can make noise. He can be ugly, but he can't get in my way. Hallelujah. He can't get in my way. When I go into the closet of prayer and I call on my father by the virtue of the blood, I'm telling you, he has to get out of the way because the blood gives me access to the throne room of God. It tells us in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter, What shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you, your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. What is he saying? The promise of the Holy Spirit, the weapons of our warfare, the equipping of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the blessed plate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit. He can't take those away from you. When the blood covers you, there's an armory. 
There's an armory. There's a room filled with weaponry. And when the devil comes against your mind, go into the armory and put on that helmet. When he lies against you, get that belt and put it on. When sin seems to flourish, get on the breastplate of righteousness because the blood gives me access to all the weaponry of heaven. And the devil can't stop me from loading my gun and coming out to fire in warfare against him. He gives me access to all of the weapons of heaven. Spiritual armor that I've already mentioned in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. So how do you plead the blood? I'm so glad you asked that. I'm not coming against him in warfare. When the devil's attacking me, when, when things are happening around me, I don't come in my own strength. Oh, don't ever do that. Some will talk about the devil, old slewfoot. Let's throw him in the lake of fire. Listen, you don't have authority to do anything to him. But when I come to battle, and I step into the battlefield, I don't stand there as Gary Pilcher. I stand there as blood-covered child of God. And the authority of heaven is on my side. God is ready to release angels in my behalf. I don't get up in the morning worrying if the devil's going to be after me. I like to believe when I get up in the morning, the devil begins to tremble. That that child of God covered by the blood who understands the blessings of the blood got up again. And we're going to war against him, but he's learned to have victory. We don't have to walk around whining, crying, complaining, feeling sorry, looking at our lives as some kind of sad sack because I'm covered by the blood and I have authority over the enemy. It gives me temporal victory in this world to overcome him and win those battles. And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he does judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed. Are you ready for this? He was clothed with a vesture. What? Dipped in blood. This blood mattered at Calvary. It matters today. It'll matter at the end of the age. He's wearing a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen white and clean and out of his mouth goes a sharp sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh name remember vesture dipped in blood word of God and on his vesture it says king of kings and Lord, I don't think you're hearing me. On his vesture, it says, are you hearing me this morning? Someone help me this morning. You're looking at me like I fell off of Mars. He is king of, where are you going to have a stroke? What a way to go. 
King of kings and Lord of lords. That's whose blood we're covered in. We're not covered in a second teamer. We're not covered with the blood of someone that sat on the bench. We're covered with the blood of the one who wears it with pride on his vesture. He's the word of God. And when he stands, it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what his blood says. We plead his blood in temporal battle and that's how we claim temporal victory the devil comes against me devil I don't I don't come against you with a sling and five stones I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You've defied him too long, and I'm going to glorify God in this battle. I'm telling you, I don't stand in my own strength. I don't have the ability. And I'm not going to tell you there have been times where I hung my harp and I weeped under the willow tree. I won't tell you I've never done that, but I'll tell you there comes a moment when you see him, when you see him, and then you stand up and you plead the blood. Devil, you might think you're winning, but I have someone on my side that's going to help me win this battle and I'm not giving up. Not only does it assure my eternal destiny, it provides for me temporal victory. King of kings and Lord of lords. Third, plead the blood over your spiritual vitality. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Your spiritual vitality today depends on understanding the power of the blood. We were distanced, but we were brought near by the blood. The blood of Christ brings us near. And I tell you what, I've heard Christians say to me, well, pastor, I don't know what's wrong. I just feel so far from God. Well, if you'd quit believing what your emotions say and start believing what the word of God says, stop lying to yourself about what you think and believing what he says is true because I just read, I just read to you that if you believe the blood and you feel distance, plead the blood, claim the power of the blood because you're near to him. It's like you're right by his side saying, why do I feel so far away? Begin to think about the blood. Begin to plead the blood over your own life and it will enrich your relationship with him. We have been brought near. We have been brought near. What are the benefits of the blood? This isn't from me, but I just want to read this list of seven things that an author said are benefits of the blood and think about where you are. Tell me if you believe these are true. That by the blood, Hebrews 9, 2, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. We have forgiveness of sin. How many believe that? We have forgiveness of sin. Number two, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so we may serve the true and living God? There is forgiveness. Number two, there's cleansing. How many of you believe that as you walk with him, he will cleanse you? Number three, we have redemption. Ephesians 1, 7, we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, we've been justified. Just as if we'd never sinned, we are justified. 1 John 1, 7 to 9, we've been sanctified. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 20, we've been given peace with God. And in Hebrews chapter 10, access to the throne. How can you sit back and say, he's not close to me when he's given you forgiveness, cleansing, redemption?
redemption, justification, sanctification, peace, and access to the throne room. When you understand the promises of the blood, it makes your spiritual walk with Jesus that much more vital, that much more vibrant. If you're doing it based on the letter of the law, if you're doing it by some archaic performance or behavior to a religious code, you will dry up and die. The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When we had, when we were in Bible college, sweet couple, brother and sister Kessler would say, if you get dry in your heart, if you get cold in your soul, just open up to the crucifixion story and read it again and read it again and read it again until your heart melts and you begin to cry. What are you doing? You're pleading the vitality of the blood of Christ. It's a blood transfusion that'll move you back into closeness with Jesus. Plead the blood over my spiritual vitality. Tired and I'm started too low. I'm tired and so weary, but I must go along till the Lord comes and calls me, calls me away. I will not live there. I'm not living tired and so weary, just waiting to get to heaven, not on your life. Why? Because I've been covered by the blood and I plead the blood over my depression. I plead the blood over my discouragement. I plead the blood over my lukewarmness. And when you begin to claim the virtues of the blood, it will be Andy walks with me. Andy talks with me. Andy tells me I'm his own. When you plead the blood, you can look in the ocean where your family drowned and say, it is well with my soul. When you plead the blood, you can sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Plead the virtues of the blood and it'll give you spiritual vitality. It's the power of the blood. It's the power of the blood. His life, you have to see it as his life source poured out for what? So you can have a blood transfusion that changes your life source. Do you know that when your platelet count is low and you're bleeding internally, it affects your ability to oxygenate. It affects your ability to think. It affects your ability to function. Everything goes downhill when you're losing blood. And some of us this morning have been in that place for far too long. We've let it drain out of us. This is this morning. This is your morning to hook back up to the bloodline and let the blood of Jesus Christ flow into you. When we take communion here in just a few moments, I'm telling you that you need to re-tap into that source and thank God that your eternal destiny is sealed that your temporal victories are being won and your spiritual vitality is better than it ever was. Why? Not by works of righteousness, but because of the blood of Jesus. I was asking Pastor Nathan if he knew a song. I'm just gonna read the lyrics because I think they're so powerful. But I'm old enough that a younger generation doesn't even know some of the good music. <laughs> I'm curious, how many have ever heard of the Lanny Wolf Trio? Oh my, you folks, listen to, listen to these. Will you listen to these words? If I can get through it. One that melts my heart. So many years, 
so many lambs were offered up. But all the blood that was spilled could never fill that bitter cup. Till one spotless lamb in the form of man gave his life on Calvary. His blood was the only blood that could ever set me free. For his blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb. But his blood was precious blood for it washed the sins of man and his blood it heals my body and it sets my spirit free and I'm so glad his precious blood still flows from Calvary. No other blood could heal my broken body. No other blood could save my sin sick soul. And no other blood could conquer death and win the victory. No other blood but the blood Jesus shed for me, for his blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood was precious blood for it washed the sins of man and his blood, it heals my body and it sets my spirit free. And I'm so glad his precious blood. I said, I'm so glad that his precious blood still flows from Calvary. Let me tell you what that blood can do. This is personal. This is where I need it. Maybe this will help somebody. Maybe you'll just think, well, I hope pastor finally gets his life right. But I had someone in the last two weeks, a ministry colleague, not part of our church, who wounded me deeply. And when I hear his name or see his face, Ed, I just want to punch him in the throat. And I'm just telling you, I don't have it in me to get over it. So what do you do? I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Because if I'll keep, watch, if I will keep walking in the light as he is in the light, I'll have fellowship with you and the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse me. Is that process done today? No. Have I forgiven him? Yes. Do I want him to pay for his penalty for his transgressions? (laughs) Yes. But not to me. I hope he'll turn from that and repent of that. That's what I'm talking about, about pleading the blood. It's bigger than I am. I can't overcome it in my own strength. Is anybody, you're carrying someone here. I'm just telling you, I wasn't planning to say this, but somebody here is carrying a deep-seated bitterness against someone and it's gonna cause you to drop and die. What do you do? Every time you think of it, you just plead the blood. I plead the blood over my heart over my conscience, over my spirit, and I plead the blood over them. And God, would you work your miracle work of forgiveness in our lives? Are you hearing me right now? His blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood was precious blood for it cleansed the sins of man 
and his blood, it heals my body and it sets my spirit free. And I'm so glad this precious blood. I said, I'm so glad this precious blood. I said, I'm so glad this precious blood still flows from Calvary. It hasn't clotted. It hasn't stopped flowing. It's still available. And when the devil tells you you're not going to heaven, plead the blood. When the devil wars against you in this life, plead the blood. And will you feel empty and separated, plead the blood. And you'll find yourself, it's not just about his death, it's about his very life source being poured out so that you can have the life of God flowing through your veins. Would you stand with me? And I want you to take this wafer and I want you to thank him that he was willing to leave the splendor of heaven that he was willing to live as a human among us. He was willing to be spit on. He was willing to be cursed. He was willing to be beaten and broken so that our bodies could be whole, so their lives could be whole. Right now, out loud, let me hear your voice. God, we thank you for your broken body. We thank you. We remember the sacrifice that you paid. We're so thankful that you were willing to suffer in our place. We give you thanks as we remember your broken body. Let's partake of the wafer together. Take the, open the lid. I want you to look in the cup. And I want you to hear Jesus say, this is my blood. Not in a literal sense, but spiritually, it is his blood. Do you need something from him this morning? Confess your sin right now. Get your heart right with him. Surrender it to him. But when you look in the cup, I want you to, this isn't just grape juice. This isn't just a ceremony. Because you know what he said? He won't do it again till he comes back in the kingdom. That means he's here right now. He's watching us remember, this is my blood. Take it reverently. Take it sacredly. Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. And we plead your blood over every part of our lives. Help us walk in a worthy fashion because you gave us your blood covering. Let's partake of the blood together. Can you love him? Can you lift your hands? Can you magnify him? Plead the blood. Stand on the virtue of the blood. Stand on the authority and victory of the blood. I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the cast, you had me in your sight. So you made a way across the great divide, left behind heaven 
against the rope and pill to hear inside and there at the cross you paid the debt I owe broke my chains freed my soul for the first time I had hope say thank you Jesus for the blood Thank you, Jesus, it has won. Thank you, Jesus. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. took my place laid inside my tomb of sin you were buried for three days <laughs> but then you walked right out again <laughs> oh now death has no sting and life has no end <laughs> for I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb yes for the blood come on sing it church thank
Can we sing that one more time with hands lifted? Sing. Glory to His name. Glory to His name. There to my heart was the sing it a lot what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what free from the burden of sin there's power in the blood power wonder working power in the blood of the lamb i'm not asking us to go back to the old ways i'm asking us to go back to the old paths we used to understand the power of the blood we used to understand the victory of the blood we claim the blood and then we got a little too politically correct and wanted to be too accepted in culture. And that just sound a little message. Well, I'm telling you this morning, I'm gonna plead the blood over everything in my life, everything in this church, everything in this community, everything over the White House, everything around the world. I'm gonna stand on the virtues of the blood of Jesus Christ. The wonder working power. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. But the blood of Jesus. Do not dare simply say, I plead the blood without understanding the promises that are attached to that. And do it sacredly and with honor. And we'll see God do great and wonderful things that we have not yet seen. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Can you do that one more time? Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Do that one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied.
blesses people who respond, people who give. I want to thank you for that. But I want to do something here just so we close. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around because I feel like somebody needs to surrender something to Jesus this morning and then we'll be done. But if God put his finger on your heart, not just about pleading the blood, but when I shared a wound I'm trying to navigate through, You have some place you're carrying bitterness, some place you've let die, some place you don't have victory, some place you've lost vitality. And God said to you, if you'll plead my blood over that situation, I'll give you victory. I want you to acknowledge that to him. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but God spoke to you to do that. I want you to hold up your hand just to acknowledge that as a commitment this morning. Hands going up all around. Claim that, lay hold of that, believe God for that and victory will come. And if at the first part of the message you prayed and gave your life to Jesus, please go to our website. Let us know that so that we can pray with you and stand with you. Amen. Let's see what Jesus will do when we understand the power of the blood and walk in that again. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name.